Fangirl Fridays. I'm Natalie. And I'm Marin. Hi. What's up? I feel a little cold because you made me take off my vest because it's a puffy vest and it makes noise. I'm sorry. It's all right. I feel a little mucusy. Oh, cool. I think I'm fighting off some allergies, colds. I don't know. I slept 11 hours the other night, yeah. which was great. Uh-huh. You know, I'm doing the right things. You're taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Eating a lot of sugar. I'm oh, sure yeah. that helps. I have consumed nothing but sugar today. Um, we have like a donut fairy at the office who I love and hate at the same time. And they always just drop casual donuts in the middle of the kitchen and it's a delight. And today's are especially delicious. Yeah. Where are they what from? What the hell? I still haven't figured it out. Um, I haven't seen you all week. It's very upsetting. I mean, I've seen you. I know. In I the distance. Seen you. No, I haven't seen you. I've seen you. Um, what are you fangirling over? I'm actually fangirling over a movie I saw over Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. What the... What? That movie was amazing. It you was so funny. immediately texted me and were like, I think this is my new favorite movie. Go see it immediately. And I was like, what? I am... St- every time I talk about it, I'm just like, wow. I am so surprised. How did they do it? Why are you so surprised? One, it's a sequel. Yes. Two, I really do love Wreck-It Ralph, but it's not a Disney movie I talk about often. Like, Uh I don't know. So I didn't expect much from the sequel. I thought it's going to be a fun adventure, but it was just very smart. The jokes were, I laughed so much. Really? Yes. I can't believe how much I laughed. And then my friend and I both cried at the end, (gasps) of course. Oh. True Disney movie fashion. Why is it not Ralph Wrecks the Internet? Maybe it is. Maybe? Maybe they don't want to say Wreck-It Ralph twice. Wreck-It Ralph wrecks the internet? I don't yeah. know. But because he's wrecks Ralph. I guess. I mean, I get it. But I was like, I feel like we did something wrong I don't here. know. But I think it was really targeted towards, like, entire families because yeah. there were adult jokes as well as kid jokes, mm-hmm. which are great. Yeah. And a lot of internet inside jokes. Is it PG? It might be, it might, actually. Yeah. I feel like it may be. Yeah. yeah it felt PG. Hmm. It felt PG. Because part of it, they go into, like, a dangerous game, which is kind of like a weird, I don't know if, if there's an internet version of Grand Theft Auto, but it's mm. like that, but it's, like, really grungy and mm. dangerous. Hookers getting killed. I mean, they didn't show that, but yes. You did, knew for it sure. It was yeah. happening. I get it. Yeah, because I saw you right before you went to go see that movie, and you weren't in a particularly jovial or emotional movie. No, you were just, just, like, normal yeah, Natalie. I was just like, we're going to see this movie. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. And then what cut a to... Cut to you dying. Yeah. You what are it. you fangirling over? Well, I feel like I've had a time. I went home to Minnesota. That was a delight. Got to see some snow, which was sort of fun. Ooh. Saw my friends and family, etc. Um, during that time, because it's nice, like, when I go home, I, like, kind of go to child care. Like, people, like, want to play with my child and, like, right. gives, you know, frees me up a little bit. So I watched... All of Big Mouth, great season one and season two. I had started season one before, but I'm now fully caught up, caught up, invested. A lot of great, great things happening, yeah. particularly in the back half of season two. Um, like I was just mm-hmm. like, God, that shame monster, that shame monster. And immediately the second he started speaking, I was like, Is this Professor Lupin? It was um, <laughs> from Harry Potter, and uh, just Nick Curls a a genius. Like, and the subtle ways that they, that the show is very smart. Because you're like, oh my God, I'm watching animated boobs. And the next thing you're like, oh, I see what they yeah. did there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very smart. Um, other thing, though, I'm fangirling over. So I fangirled over the Pixie Glow Tonic. You may remember. Right. 
I'm it's like now, a Target brand. It's a Target brand. I'm now fangirling over the Pixie Glow like pads. So okay. it's basically like more. adult Stridex. Does um, it kind of sting? A little bit. I but, love that. Yeah, I love the sting. There's a little bit of sting, and then there's the, like this rose water on top of it to kind of mm. cut the sting. And you're only supposed to use them for two to three minutes at night. I've two been, to you, three minutes? Like you're just rubbing it on your face? Not constantly. Oh. You let it sit. You rub it on your face. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's fair. Uh, yeah, you rub it on your face and then let it sit for two to three minutes. And I feel like it's made a big difference. I've been trying to be very conscious about my skincare routine because I know I'm just consuming a disgusting amount of sugar. Mm-hmm. And so I got to I gotta fight. I got to fight back. Well, your skin looks great. Thank you. I can only see part of it. The <laughs> microphone's in the way, but it's glowing. Oh, also real quick, skincare related. I didn't talk about this. Friend of the podcast, Margie McGee, was like, oh, my God, I haven't given you your birthday present yet. My birthday's in October. So over Thanksgiving, she, like, came over. You missed her. You came to my house. Then she came to my house, whatever. You were ship's passing. Right before Wreck-It Ralph. Right before Wreck-It Ralph. Ship's passing in the night. And so she just leaves my little birthday present. And then I don't open it until, like, the next day, maybe. Well, she got me a little sample of La Mer. (gasps) Yeah. That gasp is warranted. (laughs) So... J-Lo. If, J-Lo. I mean, the urban legend, but I think it's true, is that J-Lo uses La Mer all over her body. I believe that, too. And, like, a normal size of it, I don't know, is, like, something insane, like $250. So I just made that up, but it's very expensive. And so Margie got me this, like, little sample of it. It's a delight. We don't really need it here in California in the same way you would maybe need it in, like, the okay. Midwest because it's very moisturizing in a way. It's almost the same smell and texture as Nivea where I was like – it doesn't sound as fancy. I know. And then I was like, is this maybe not as fancy? And then it really works. <laughs> and I don't know what's happening. feels great. What, what changes? What do you feel? Um, I feel very hydrated and you use very little – and then um, I do feel like my skin tone is sort of like evening a little. Mm. So I don't know. It could be a combination of all of the things, but I was very and happy mental. about it. It's Yeah, it's a panacea. It's just like a total placebo effect. Like I'm like, ooh, look at this fancy brand. Um, but yeah, so skin-related things. Love. Loving. Feeling real great about it. You know what's going to happen. I'm going to go home and I'm going to break out. Yeah. Because I talked about it. But that's how it works. <laughs> okay. Back to... Pete and Pete. Surprising number of people were like, I have never seen this show. Well, it it really wasn't on for that long. And unless you caught it in syndication, which I don't think Nickelodeon pushed it as heavily as like, Are You Afraid of the Dark or Hey Dude, Mm -hmm. you probably missed it. Loved Hey Dude. I just got lost (laughs) in a moment of like thinking about Hey Dude for a second. I was like, oh, right. Mm -hmm." So how do we want to start? So this show... We can talk about our favorite episodes, but I think we really need to talk about all of the guest stars who were on the show I first. I put together a list, which I don't even think captures all of them, which really? is insane. Because this list, just glancing, it's too cool. It's too cool, but also all over the place. Like, there's some inconsistencies, and I guess you have to remember that this is early 90s. So, like, for example... LL Cool J is on this list. But LL Cool J 1993 is very different than LL Cool J 2018, right? Mm-hmm. If You know what I mean? Like, Because yeah. I was like, he's too mainstream, whatever. And then I was like, wait, but this was like 25 years ago. <laughs> Maybe he wasn't that mainstream. But he was so cool. No, I know. But it's like I when I think of LL Cool J now, it's like you think of like NCIS and like hosting the Grammys. And then it's like this small, tiny little yeah. Nickelodeon show. And it's very 
different. Um, who are your some of your favorite guest stars? I mean, I feel like I just need to go through all of them. Oh, okay. But Iggy Pop is my favorite, and he plays Nona's dad. Yeah. And also another dad, Steve Buscemi, plays Ellen's dad. Right, which the is amazing. The dads are top-notch. Top, top-notch dads. I also really love, like, smaller cameos. Um, there's so many good ones. One I watched yesterday had B.B. Newworth mm-hmm. in it playing the mail carrier. Lilith. Um, I also really liked Ellen Cleghorn as the bus driver because a lot of people forget about her on SNL, and she was very memorable for me. Oh, yeah. When I saw that episode, where the first one where she's in, I'm like, wait, why do I know this woman? Yes, 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 yes. It yes, was yes, during yes. her time at SNL. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people are like New York City cool people. Again, that downtown city vibe. where all the creators were from. So, so my – when I was watching – the first episode, or the first season, there's an episode called Range Boy, and Frank Gifford appears, and I was like, there's mm-hmm. no way that Natalie knows who this is, and then I was like, wait, but maybe there is, because he's married, he was married to Kathy Lee, yep. and so then I figured you might know who I Frank know Gifford exactly is. I know exactly who Frank Gifford is, <laughs> because of Kathy Lee, yep. and still don't know what he looks like. Yeah, he's Kathy Lee's husband to you, not NFL Football player he's and actually, commentator. To me, he's Hoda's best friend's deceased husband. <laughs> deceased husband. <laughs> Perfect. All makes sense. Uh, uh, some of my other favorites: David Johansson of the New York Dolls plays a park ranger. Um, a lot of teachers. Janine Garofalo is one of them. Debbie Harry is a neighbor in one of like the pre-series episodes. Mm-hmm. Who else? Do you talk about Michael Stipe? Uh, Michael Stipe. <laughs> yes, Michael Stipe. Um, who else? Katie Pearson, B-52s. Um, Patty Hearst? How? I don't know. And, like, why? <laughs> when you really think about it, like, cool, but also, okay. Yeah. Uh, Juliana Hatfield. Wasn't she in My So-Called Life? Yeah, she yeah. was. Was she the angel that She was, hate? yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Larissa Olenek. Yeah. It was during Alex Mack. That's why so I, I like, consider that famous. Yeah, but you have on here that she played a nurse, and so I was like, wait, but she played like a young nurse. How old is she? Yeah, yeah so I was exactly. like, wait a minute. But there were also some stars in the making mm-hmm. on this show, some like babies. Heather Matarazzo. She's on. recurring. She's in a bunch of episodes, yeah. actually. And so is uh, Michelle Trachtenberg. Trachtenberg. Mm-hmm. Selma Blair is in an episode. Mm-hmm. We get Liza Well, who is Paris in Gilmore Girls. Did you die? Forgotten. Yeah, she's in a couple, and she plays a couple of different characters. Oh, really? J.K. Simmons is in there Dream. before he blew up, and Alicia Keys plays a student in the background of an episode. Did you see her? No, I like, read that. that okay. <laughs> you were like, oh. Child Alicia Keys, I just recognize immediately. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing if you did. Um, J.K. Simmons, Oscar winner. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I actually looked him up because I couldn't figure out when he became... Well known, and it wasn't until recently. Yeah, he's been like grinding the past 10, 15 years. Also, he's the voice of one of those M and M's in the M M&M and M commercials. The yellow one. Yep, the peanut. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he still does the like farmers commercials. <laughs> like, it's kind of amazing. I would love solid commercial money. Oh, Come absolutely. On. If you're Flo from Progressive, who's also on the Goldbergs. Yeah. Well, she did Groundlings. Yeah. So- Honestly, Flo, the, hear me out. Flo <laughs> is like up there with Elvira and Pee Wee Herman because those are all Groundlings characters. They all came out of Groundlings. Really? Yeah. Did not know. I mean, don't hate. So she's just making that money forever. I feel like yeah. they're trying to transition away from her. They're not doing so well. 
Anytime they no. introduce new characters, people are like, I want Flo. Well, think of her. Yeah. Trying to get out there. And they're like, oh, you're Flo. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's hard uh, to break away. It is hard to break away. You know who I'm surprised was not in this show? And I had to look it up. Who? Joanna Garcia. So because, oh, because I feel she's like in everything. She's in everything, and she was in Are You Afraid of the Dark? I feel like she was a little too clean cut for this show. Maybe, but she is in Freaks and Geeks. Mm. So, but she's very it's, clean cut in that. Yeah, it's a specific look. It's a very too. specific look. But yeah, I was just like, I had to go. I dove down deep. I was like, there's no. Maybe she was uncredited. So then I was like, went back because it just oh, Drew Carey supposedly has an uncredited guest star guest appearance star. on the show. Yeah, I just felt like. It was the right time and the right sort of scene for Joanna Garcia to have been featured in Pete and Pete. Even, like, as a cute girl or whatever. But I, I wonder if she would have been closer to, like, Big Pete's age. Probably. I'd have to, probably. I'd have to look, look up their age differences. But, yeah, very confused by Larissa Alex Mack playing a nurse. I was like... Isn't she 12? Is she the Doogie (laughs) Howser of Pete and Pete? I'm actually really confused because looking at her IMDb, it looks like Babysitter's Club Pete and Pete Alex Mack. But Alex Mack was during like a longer period of time. So it's above. I don't like how IMDb does that. Yeah. Because you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. It's confusing. Or if someone's on a soap opera that started in like Mm -hmm. 1952, like it'll be like really. Oh, how. Now that I'm thinking about it, though, Babysitter's Club is, like, 95, 96, and she looks, like, mid to late teens. Yeah. So I think she could have pulled off this nurse a year later for Pete and Pete. Maybe. That makes sense, I guess. Um, Probably, like, a Candy Striper-esque nurse. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I don't know why we're taking so much time for me to comfort you about this. But... I I mean, I was very shocked to see her on Mad Men um, because she had a recurring role on Mad Men, and I was just like, no, you're Alex Mack. Go away. You're a child. You're, you're You are permanent child so i feel like we each have a couple of favorite episodes that mm-hmm. we want to talk about do you want to start do you want me to start you start okay i i'm gonna start with the one with one that is not my like all-time favorite because okay. i have my all-time favorite and you'd actually put it on the list and then i was like well yeah. but that's my favorite it's episode not of all my time all-time favorite so it works out perfect so we're gonna start with hard day's night which is the season one finale, essentially. Season one, episode eight. Is it Hard Day's Night or Hard Day's Pete? It is Hard Day's Pete, and I said night because that's the song. But it's Hard Day's Pete. Thank you for your correction. Um, <laughs> so Little Pete stumbles upon a mysterious garage band is really like the description. But there's so much more that's going on in this. Um, so this episode features Polaris. Polaris. We don't know. Um, as a house band that Little Pete stumbles upon while he's taking a shortcut to school. They are playing a song, and he becomes instantly mesmerized by it. It is his song. It is his song. Up until this point, despite having an underground radio station called Wart, W-A-R-T, Pete doesn't really, like, <laughs> care for music. Like, he could take it or leave it. It's not a big thing to him. But he hears this song, and this is his song. The song in actuality is by Polaris, and it is called Summer Baby, but he doesn't know that. Yeah. He loves it so much that he needs to make a cover band. Yeah, the blowholes. For just this song. <laughs> One but song. He's trying to, like, recreate it, and all of a sudden he's, like, very good at guitar. I don't know. My thing that I love about this episode is that he starts scouring, like, 
the international billboard charts, like thinking that this band in the garage in Wellsville is like top of the pops. It's perfect kid logic. <laughs> I know, but I like there's this a whole montage of him like trying to find this song. And he's soliciting help from people on wart, like he's humming it and trying to like get a sense of, you know, what this song is. He can't figure it out, and the song is slowly fading from his memory. Yeah. And his band members are, he's got, like, Marshall Crenshaw <laughs> yeah. and Sid Straw, who plays the teachers in yes. the band. The band is banging. Banging. His little friend, Clem, who is in uh, Mighty Ducks, I looked him up, his, he is an actor named Aaron Schwartz. Guys, do yourself a favor. Look up Clem and look up Aaron Schwartz now. It's a real Jonathan Lipnicki situation going what? on. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, what? How did little Clem get smoking hot? Do yourself a favor. Wait, you think Jonathan Lipnicki's smoking no, hot? No, no, no. But it's like when you're like cute little like chubby kid and then all of a sudden it's like... Muscles. Muscles. There's gotcha. definitely like a shirtless photo on IMDb, which felt gratuitous, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, look it up nonetheless. Um, and so ultimately, through all of this, Pete has rung up quite an electric bill and dad is real pissed that their electric bill is like $700 because like the cost of running wart in the basement. It's a lot. It's a lot. So the blowholes start taking requests over the phone to play other people's favorite songs. And they ultimately, like, earn enough money to pay off the electric bill, which is great. But Pete's really unsatisfied. He doesn't want to play other people's songs. I love that they can all play every song (laughs) imaginable. Imaginable. And some people are like, I'll pay $25 to hear this you know, one random cover, and then other people are like, I'll pay two bucks. It's, there's real inconsistencies. I would love a radio show like that. Yeah, totally. But so he just goes to, he has to return to the scene of the crime. He's unfulfilled by playing other people's music. He wants to recreate this song that's now his song. So he goes back to the garage where it all began, by himself, all sad, and then somehow the song comes back to him. Magic. It's magic. I read an article and they were saying that, you know, sort of the overall, the lesson of this episode is if you love something, go make something someone else can love. And I was like, oh. I didn't get that lesson at all from this episode. (laughs) But I kind of like it. And then I was like, is that what we're doing with Fango Fridays? (laughs) Like, we're loving something. I feel like it's more like a pressure. You love this. You love this. (laughs) Totally. You love it. You love it. You love it. You will (laughs) like it. Listen to our podcast. Um, So, yeah, that's my first episode that I really like. It's a good one. Yeah. it's. I feel like it's kind of iconic. And what I realized is that I prefer the Little Pete episodes which you will see in my other episode that I You know, love. we talked last week. I said I didn't remember the show being so much about older Pete. Mm-hmm. And I did watch some season two. And I think we do get more as, like, Little Pete's the A story, Big Pete's the B story. Yeah. But the ones we picked, like, are all oh, Little, Little Pete, Pete heavy. Mm-hmm. We Ma- love him. And maybe because, like, I was closer in age to Little Pete. Same. And I so I wasn't in that junior high sort of angsty. Like, I appreciated it, but I was just, like... Oh, yeah, he's doing weird things over here. This film feels more me. I think this episode that I've chosen is a good way to combine Pete's. Okay. We got got a twofer here. Combo Pete? Yeah. So I chose a season two episode called Halloweeny. Surprise. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I didn't plan on picking this episode. I watched it, and I loved it. Right. So... Big Pete puts aside his pride to help Little Pete break the record for the number of houses visited on Halloween. Okay. 
record breaking is a theme yeah. with Little Pete. We'll get there. So right off the bat, this is a Halloween episode. I love Halloween. Yeah. It's my favorite. But I feel like this is a perfect like side piece or companion piece with Freaks and Geeks Tricks and Treats. I was wondering if you were going to say that. It just has like the same feel. It has a good like sibling story happening. It's yeah. good. So Big Pete over Halloween. Yeah. He's just become well, he's like fourteen. Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is, I'm done. This is it. But Little Pete is all about it. Yeah. He, he, the brothers together have always wanted to break this record of the number of houses they could hit and get candy, which I think was like over 300. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But Big Pete's not into it, not on board. Little Pete's like trying to get his friends like Nona in as replacements, but things happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Even though Big Pete smashed a pumpkin and decided he was anti-Halloween, he helps his brother out. And so they're both dressed as astronauts, and he's in a disguise, hoping... So there's this group... Disguise is also a recurring theme in Pete and Pete. Yeah, that's Uh true. There's a group that's just, like, basically Halloween pranking. The pumpkin eaters is what they're known as. And they smash pumpkins, throw eggs, like, do all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So Big Pete's trying to help accomplish this goal while at the same time avoiding getting caught yeah. as, like, a teenager trick-or-treating. Right. Being seen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so they go to all these houses, but they eventually get caught. And I just loved this episode. I loved that they worked together. I love that Pete could see his brother was disappointed. Yeah. And it was Halloween, and they trick-or-treated, and it was so much fun. And Iggy Pop's in it. And Iggy Pop is the dad, and he even <laughs> calls someone a stooge, which is very important. <laughs> um, yeah, I do like the crossover Pete episodes where they're not like an A and B story, but they're sort of one combination together, story. Which I think a lot of sibling stories, if you don't absolutely hate your sibling, you do yeah. come together once in a while to do something. Well, yeah. And there's a whole episode where they're best friends. Um, I mean, that's part of the show. And it's like they are best friends at the core and they get in a fight and it's like very upsetting. So it's when they're not kind of working together on the same page, the episodes I feel don't aren't as good. But when they are sort of uniting together, mm-hmm. the episodes are Also, good. Little Pete um, loves his astronaut costume because he can pee in it. <laughs> that is the benefit of being an astronaut. Gross. Um, okay, so on the theme of breaking records, my all-time favorite episode of Pete and Pete, one that's just sort of like been burned into my memory, is Nightcrawlers. It's a good one. So this is season one, episode three. Believing that his early bedtime has resulted in countless hours of lost fun, Little Pete defies the international adult conspiracy by attempting to stay up 11 days in a row. Now, the worst. really quickly, I'm pretty confident that if you, or maybe again, urban legend, if you are awake for 72 hours in a row, you can be like classified as like clinically insane. Yeah. Or this is like what people told me when I was a teen and now I just believe it verbatim. Um, But so Little Pete's bedtime is 9 p.m., and he's real pissed about it. And he gets the sort of, you know, mom, classic mom line of because I said so. So he's like, well, screw that. So the world record, Ghibli's world record, was set by an Austrian housewife, Bertha Van Houten, in 1962. And Pete and his, like, band of merry idiot friends are going (laughs) to stay up for 11 days 
and try and break it. And it's not just staying up, it's like outside playing flashlight tag. They never come inside no. the whole time. And I was just like, uh. So mom uses some reverse psychology to, and she thinks she's gonna like set him up for failure. And he is determined to sort of, you know, beat her mentality mm -hmm. and, and her um, logic. So he teams up with his crew, Artie, Clem, as mentioned, hot. Purvis, Mort, Pink Eye, who I love. Um, a young Heather Matarazzo. Is that how we say it? Um, as Natasha. Matarazzo? Matarazzo. And then a couple of other kids. Um, and so, you know, there's all these different antics. The kids start to kind of like fall down, fall asleep in the gut. They're literally like in the gutters, like of the street. Like, yeah. They don't, it's a safe neighborhood. Yeah. They don't go home and go to bed. They just, like, fall down where they lie, basically. It's like war. A war against yeah. parents. So, like, a soldier falls yes. and they get, like, carried away Pretty to much. bed. Yes. Ultimately, all of Pete's friends go to sleep and he gives in. He's like, it's over. I'm not going to break the record. And at the end, mom comes outside. He has 53 minutes left to break the record, she comes outside and, like, plays games with him, so mm -hmm. he'll break the record. And I was reading an article about this one, too, um, and this is just sort of a little bit of text from this article. It says, in the case of the Nightcrawlers, what this episode does well is not only convey that, child, that childhood sense of angst and oppression, but also the sense that, sometimes at least, parents can be reasonable. If you make a good case for staying up for 11 straight days, they'll work with you a little and set a later bedtime. Act like a jerk and rage against the parental machine with a tantrum and you're sleeping at 9 p.m. for everybody. Sure, rule changes can turn into a slippery slope like the international adult conspiracy has feared. But if kids are reasonable and adults are reasonable, then everything should turn out reasonably well. Change is inevitable, and as long as you ease into it, then it will be all right. Hmm. Which I was like, oh, that's so sweet and so smart. Um, smart. So smart. Ultimately, he and his mom compromise, and he gets a new 10.15 p.m. bedtime, which is way past my personal bedtime, and yeah. I was like, that's late. Weird to have a 15. <laughs> but for 15. a kid, that 15 minutes is everything. 100%. That makes – because I think he leads with 10.30, and then she walks it back to 10.15. Yeah. I mean, that feels very specific. Also then, like, is that the time you have to be asleep, or is that the time you go to bed? Like, you mean you could stay up and read? Unclear. Yeah. Mm. Did you have a bedtime? Yeah. Yeah, I did too. But I don't remember, like, if I could stay up and read or what. My bedtime was, like, sleep time, I believe. Like, lights out. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. So then, really, your bedtime, the prep time, is, like, 30 minutes before. Yeah. <laughs> Real tough times. Real tough times. Tough times. So I wish that someone gave me a bedtime now. Could it be 8? Is that an option? No, that's too early. Is it? It's you real dark now. You get anything done. You wouldn't have time for this podcast. True, but it's, it's really, really dark already at 8 o'clock. I have seasonal depression. <laughs> I don't want to leave my house after 4.30 because yeah. I know it's going to be dark. I know. And the traffic is just as bad. It's, it's It terrible. doesn't get better <laughs> at night just because it gets darker earlier. Yeah, but so Nightcrawlers, I don't know why. I think it's just like, did you play night games as a kid? Did you, you didn't really like have many kids in your neighborhood. Not at my house, yeah. but at my friend's house, yes. It reminds me of like an 11 day long game of night games is basically like they're playing kick the can or like something. I don't know. It's just a lot of tomfoolery, a lot of like, we can do it our way. Yeah. It's a perfect kid episode. It's a very perfect kid episode and it feels very real and believable other think, than the staying up for 11 days. I think days. my favorite 
is actually another Perfect Kid episode. Okay. So this was actually pre-series, so I don't know if it counts. It counts. Okay. So it's called What We Did on Our Summer Vacation, and it's one of the many, I guess, mini episodes before the actual series went into play. This is also seared into my memory. It's it's a very important one. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe it aired so early because a character I'm going to talk about is very iconic to the show. Yes. So as summer ends, the Pete's and Ellen try to befriend Mr. Tasty, the ice cream man, but they soon learn that being an ice cream man is supposed to be a lonely job. Yeah. So Mr. Tasty is like a mysterious man who wears a giant cone on his head. <laughs> yeah. It's like a character you'd meet at a theme park. It's like a jack-in-the-box jack kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. But he works in the ice cream truck, um, and he is beloved by all the children. The summer isn't officially summer until Mr. Tasty comes to town. No one knows who he is or where he comes from, but when that first really hot day in June rolls around, you just know the Tasty Mobile is coming to the rescue. Hey, kiddos. Hey. It's, it's just not. like summertime, you know Mr. Tasty's coming. Yeah. He also reminds me of Mr. Coney, which was in Scream Queens, but maybe that was an homage to Mr. Tasty. Maybe. Mm-hmm. He was murdered, though. So. <laughs> Sorry, so. Coney. R.I.P. Um, and the identity of the character is never revealed, and that's kind of kind of the plot of the episode. Mm -hmm. So Ellen and the Peets want to become his friend. They're just like, he's such a nice, cool guy. What does he do with his life? And Ellen has a summer job at um, like her uncle's photo developing oh, yeah. booth. Mm -hmm. And they get Mr. Tasty's photos, and he basically travels around the country. <laughs> yeah. But he's still wearing this cone. He's still Mr. Tasty. And he's by himself. And he's completely alone. Mm -hmm. And there's also, like, a very Twin Peaks element to this episode because um, Kate, Kate Pearson of the B-52s is, like, this blind, maybe, millionaire that's just kind of, like, yelling Leonard. But it turns out she knows Mr. Tasty. Yeah. But it's basically, like, a perfect, like, now and then summer vacation kind of episode where these yeah. kids try to solve a mystery. But in the end, they're just like, this is who he is. He wants to be alone. Let's not mess with him and let's keep this mystery going. Love it. <laughs> so quiet. Well, I'm just thinking. Are you just thinking back? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually thinking about how this show does something different for me in the way of nostalgia. Like, mm -hmm. it actually is making me think of is that when you're a kid, some very small thing can consume an inordinate amount of your time and attention. That is literally now and then. Right. And so, exactly. And so it's like, where you think about freaks and geeks, where you then are sort of like layering on your middle school and high school, you know, thoughts onto that show, which is like a very like large amount of time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things happen to you during that. With Pete and Pete, it's like, it is those like super small things where like, we had to try and figure out one time how to, like, sneak my friend into the pool. And, like, you know, and it's, like, yeah. that can take months of, like, figuring out how and to do like, it. And it's not just you're talking in a circle trying to figure it out. You have a map. Yeah. You have, like, you have props. You have so much going on because totally. you're only con concentrated on this one thing. Yeah. And it's larger than life. Right. But it's a very small problem or a very small yes. thing that you then make very big unnecessarily. And it's like, maybe if you just asked your mom for like five more dollars, then your friend could come to the pool with you and it wouldn't be a big deal. But you're like trying to figure out all of this stuff. And next thing you know, your whole summer's gone because yeah. like that took all of your time. Like, well, 
Oh, well. It's worth it. Though, when you look back, you're like, remember that entire summer? We tried to figure out who Mr. Tasty was. Exactly. And so it's like, it doesn't matter at all, right? But when you're a kid, those tiny things matter so much. And then those are, that is ultimately what you end up remembering. I know. I wonder if this episode was based on someone's real experience. Not that like an ice cream man would have that mask on. Yeah. But you know, it feels so true. Mm -hmm. Like who were they stalking all summer? Right. Yeah, totally. We had a tasty freeze. Did you have a tasty freeze? I know what they are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is not there. The building is there and it was literally like a tiny shack, but you know, they only served like soft serve and it was a dream. Um, did you have an ice cream truck in your neighborhood? Not in my neighborhood. We have. I have one in my neighborhood now. You and do? it's cold and they're still coming. Oh, interesting. I always want to go and just give them money because I know that's why they're driving. Yeah. So they need money, but it's too cold. No one's going to buy ice cream. <laughs> we the didn't guilt, have one. We didn't have one and I felt like robbed as a child. Yeah. And it's not like I grew up in the city, like I grew up in the suburbs. And so I was like, why didn't we have one? It's a great question. I don't know. A couple of fun facts about this episode, Ooh. though. One, Kate Pearson of the B-52s and Michael Stipe make their guest appearances in this episode. Mm-hmm. Both of them sing the song Shiny Happy People, which is one of my favorite songs since the age of four. Love. And so Mr. Tasty, if you want me to actually reveal who it is, it's Toby Huss who plays Artie, which I didn't know that actor played Artie. I could not tell. Yeah. Artie, and he's like a, I was reading a little bit about him too, like, didn't he come out of like improv or like, he's like sort of a underground. He's in so many things, but I couldn't tell you. I know he's in the new Halloween. Really? Yeah, he's like a husband. Oh my gosh. Artie. But he's just in like a ton of things. Yeah. You would know his face. Huh. And it's already. Not behind an ice cream cone. Yeah. (laughs) Not not behind Mr. Tasty. (sighs) This made me happy. Yeah. So I think. All of our episodes are really just full of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not freaks and geeks where you're going through painful teen years. No. We've pretty much avoided those. Yeah. This is more just like the tiny moments of your childhood that have made a huge lasting impression mm. and that you can still kind of like talk about extensively, even though it was like a very minute thing that happened. Right. Um, it's like the scratch on a record. It's like, you're like, oh, yep, let me like loop that again. Like, here it is, here it is. I can see it, I can hear it, I can feel it. And Pete and Pete does such a good job of sort of capturing the smallness of childhood, but making it seem so big. Yeah. Do you think it's because it was younger people who also didn't have that much experience? Probably. Meaning, or like those memories for them were so fresh that they're like, well, this is what we're going to draw on. That and just being amateur looks childish, naturally. Interesting. That's a very interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe. Um, So it's kind of like a happy accident. Yeah. It's like, we didn't know what we were doing, but we made something great. (laughs) Exactly. I think Uh, that's the goal. That should be the goal of every good kid show. We didn't know what we were doing, but we made something great. Yep. Yeah. Also, too, speaking of, um, I think we recorded our last episode before this happened, but when the creator of SpongeBob um, passed away last week, real tough. Bummer. Real bummer. But again, make something make something kind of crazy, but kind of great. That show's still on, too. Yeah, almost 20 years. That's crazy. Nickelodeon. I had a warm and fuzzy feeling this morning because I noticed in my medicine cabinet that my child's uh, Paw Patrol... Uh, 
toothpaste has Nickelodeon branding on it, and it made me really happy. Mm. I was like, I just have such a warm and fuzzy. Does it have that kid's toothpaste taste? Yeah, it does. I love that. I know. It's kind of great. She frequently asks for more just so she can, like, I get eat, that. eat the toothpaste. I, would for, I definitely <laughs> ate mine and would still eat it. But that, that, uh, that orange splat gives me all the feels. Yeah. All the feels. Don't have do that same. Even, do they really use it that much anymore? I don't know. Un- unclear, but I mean, it's on the Paw Patrol toothpaste, so maybe. So maybe they are. <laughs> what are your favorite episodes of Pete and Pete, guys? We want to know. Did we miss things? Do you actually really dislike the one minute interstitials? Sure. Yeah. Tell us those. Mom's Plate is one of my favorite one minute interstitials. Um, so send us an email at hellofangirls at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram, Fangirl Fridays Podcast, Facebook, or Twitter, FGF Podcast. So until next week, bye. bye.